Take a deep breath, take the higher road That's what they always say, as if they know the way They won't take it from me But don't ever doubt yourself, it's life ain't just a dream You make your own, so kick and scream The people will like with a never-ending force You never had the chance, so what you waiting for? The day has come, my friend, cause this is war been another wild week. Sometimes I wake up and I wonder when things are just going to calm down. In the last couple of weeks, we have seen some really significant things happening as far as boycotts are concerned. And because I primarily get the majority of my information, what most people would call news from social media. I've found it really interesting, some conservative voices that are out there that are comparing boycotting to cancel culture. And as I've said many, many times on this show before, this whole kind of right-left, liberal-conservative, this split dichotomy that we experience or the two-party system, you know, things that kind of pit each other uh, against one another is not my preferred way to talk about these topics. However, I think we do see some really clear examples where if you tend to have a liberal viewpoint... Um, not necessarily, quote unquote, voting Democrat, but maybe are more left leaning. There are some kind of trends and characteristics that we see. And then from the conservative side, I think that there are some trends and characteristics that we see. So again, for the sake of this conversation that I'd like to have today, it's going to end up being in sort of this split idea again. So When we talk about maybe this idea of cancel culture versus boycotting, I just want to look back maybe from a historical standpoint. Boycotting is nothing new. This is not a new concept. This is a form of protest that has really been in existence for many, many years. You know, boycotting is an act of civil disobedience, and as of late, we have seen it done with our dollars. I think in today's era, where you put your money and where you do not put your money is a really great way to sort of signify things that you either support or that you don't support, and it's also a very tangible way to make an impact, as we've seen recently. But there are other types of boycotts, and ultimately, I think they, they, they lead to a financial disruption, right? So, I mean, historically, we have incredibly famous boycotts that have happened in our history. And again, I think sometimes we have amnesia for these 
past events or what they stood for or what they did or what their intended goals were. But, you know, we have a very famous example from our civil rights movement. 1955, we have Rosa Parks refusing to give up her bus seat to a white man. And this inspired the Montgomery bus boycott. A simple act of defiance to a law or a rule or whatever was imposed in that time of segregation, that one single act of defiance cascaded into this massive movement in the form of a boycott. It lasted 13 months, uh, and ultimately this went to the Supreme Court. Boycotts are powerful. They tend to get the message across that they are wanting to send. And if done correctly and if done in the right way, they're done nonviolently. They are done in a collective manner, meaning we are going to gather people from hopefully all walks of life who feel the same level of commitment to the cause or the purpose or that this is a violation of our human rights or it's not something that we agree with. It's damaging in some way. So they pack a huge punch and they can accomplish a lot. We have some other really significant examples from our past and in this country. One that might not be as familiar or of top of mind as the Montgomery bus boycott was back in 1977, actually, the Infant Formula Action Coalition organized a boycott against Nestle Company. And I'm sure some of us can kind of remember whether we were alive or not, but we hit a place in our history in which we were sold this absolute complete lie that formula was just as healthy, if not healthier for your baby than breast milk. And they pushed this onto new moms and trying to get all of these, you know, new moms to use formula and not breastfeed. And the interesting thing about this is that this narrative of formula being better for your baby than breast milk was pushed really hard in minority communities, poorer countries, underdeveloped regions. Like that should be kind of a wake up call to people, like intentionally malnourishing children in places where they are already facing, you know, adversity, whether it be socioeconomic or disease or lack of access to resources, they're going to push this notion, right? That formula is better than breast milk when maybe if those moms would have breastfed, I don't know, the kids' immune systems would have been better. They would have been able to better tolerate maybe some disease processes that were circulating in that community. Who knows? But it's just wild. It's wild that they, again, target, you know, minority groups, poor populations to press all of these fallacies onto. Uh, But that ended up being a really successful full boycott. It ended up being a worldwide boycott. And Nestle ultimately had to spend millions and millions and millions of dollars, upwards of a hundred million dollars to just fight 
the negative press surrounding this notion and their manufacturing of, you know, promoting this false narrative. Some other super popular, um, you know, boycotts that have transpired and in most recent times or more recent times, ones that maybe we can recall, uh, that movie came out around like 2013 talking about SeaWorld and it was that documentary called Blackfish and really looking at the practices of places like that and the animal welfare and these majestic animals being kept in captivity. And I do remember that coming out and tons and tons of people calling for the boycott of SeaWorld. Don't give them your money. They're not treating these animals humanely. It's horrible for them to be in captivity, all of these things. So these ended up, you know, these are just a couple examples of boycotts and why this notion of projecting a spotlight onto the topic first and foremost, right? So whether it be a humanitarian effort or a civil rights effort or animal rights effort, like whatever the foundation of the topic is, we shine a spotlight on that topic. And then we secondarily shine a spotlight on the organization or the groups or the people that are sort of perpetrating that negative narrative, right? So, you know, the SeaWorld example, animals in captivity, that's kind of the underlying foundation. Oh, and SeaWorld is maybe demonstrating a little bit of guilt in this, right? Okay, so we've got the issue and we've got the company and now we're going to boycott. It's pretty effective. And it's effective for a few reasons, right? So you not only limit the money going into the organization, which is going to be a loss in revenue for the overall company, you know, God forbid people lose their jobs, but at the same time, maybe instead of them losing their jobs, they could all band together and figure out a way to not have the situation be what it is or kind of have the stand up and fight attitude. But oftentimes too, those companies have to work to combat that narrative, just like we saw in the Nestle example. If somebody is shining a spotlight on an egregious act or something that is detrimental, you've got to do damage control. That's PR, that's marketing, that's spending extra monies that were originally not allocated to this in order to somehow put out the fire, quiet the narrative, gain people's trust again, get people coming back to your theme park. Maybe you have to offer two for one tickets. Again, that's loss in revenue and it's also expenditure of money to get people to come back. So really ultimately it hits people in the pocketbook and revenue matters for every business. You have to be able to keep the doors open. You have to be able to keep paying your employees or ultimately that business is going to suffer and have a failure, have a failure component. So over the last over the last few years, and what I would like to say about those those examples that I just gave, I would like to say that from a conservative standpoint and probably even a liberal standpoint, 
if we look at the Montgomery bus boycott, I think there is a fake narrative in this country that conservatives are ultimately racist and we're the ones that, you know, would have been on the side of segregation and all of these things. And that's just not true. Learn your history. Look back at history. The Democrats are the ones that founded the KKK. They implemented the Jim Crow laws, like racism, segregation, all of those things have lived and grown and bred and perpetuated on the Democratic Party ticket. And again, if you're voting Democratic, you're probably more left-leaning, probably liberal. Now, in today's world, you would have outspoken liberals saying, oh, no, 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 that wasn't us. We were the ones trying to end segregation, this, that, and the other thing. Well, in now, nowadays, I would look at those same people and be like, yeah, no, I don't want segregation. I don't want that. I, I wouldn't have wanted it back then. I don't want it now. So we never had this party switch that everybody likes to talk about, right? So some of these kind of social justice issues, I think if we all sat down and had a heart to heart and we're capable of doing that, we would all recognize that really we want the same things. It's how we go about it and whether or not the problem that we're seeing is the actual problem. I think that there's also a disconnect there, right? Like let's take the SeaWorld issue again. The problem is the animals in captivity and how well they're treated. Can we all agree that that is the issue? Probably, probably. So then boycotting SeaWorld from both sides of the fence, that makes sense. That's a realistic solution. Now, let's go to this idea of cancel culture versus just boycotting. Because cancel culture is a relatively new term, I would say. I don't ever remember hearing cancel culture, except for in the last few years. I don't remember people being, you know, I and I guess also in the world of social media, like you hear it more, right, of people's accounts being, whether you're shadow banned, or whether you have your Twitter profile blocked, or whether they block your Instagram, or any of these things that sort of these tech overlords can come in and do to sort of, I guess, quiet your voice based off of their impression of the message that you're sending. This whole idea of misinformation or disinformation whichever you want to call it, right? So there's somebody that's making that determination. And what I think is very interesting from the left's perspective is this idea that if we don't agree with it, nobody should agree with it. So when I did a show not that long ago talking about school shootings and gun control, The left's idea about gun control is that nobody needs guns. We don't need these particular types of guns and guns are the problem. And it's not the shooter, it's the actual weapon. And therefore we should ban guns. I'm sure that a lot of liberals would love to just do away with the second amendment. Nobody needs guns. Let's just get rid of them. 
Whereas on the flip side, the conservative side is sort of like, well, no, the second amendment is in the constitution because that's literally how the United States was born, right? We had to free ourselves from tyranny. And we understand that the second amendment is ultimately there to protect the citizens from the government. This is not about us versus one another. It is literally, what are we going to have to do if the government comes after us? So our perspective is, is if there's somebody on the left that doesn't want to buy a gun, just don't buy a gun. That's totally fine. Make that choice for yourself. But the left is like, no, 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 no. We don't want guns. So therefore, nobody should have guns. This is our impression of the issue. Therefore, you know, everybody needs to adapt to this. And this also goes along with cancel culture. Whether you are an actor in Hollywood and you have conservative views, we all know how liberal Hollywood is. We know that. That person basically is just blacklisted in Hollywood. They can't get an agent. They can't get any callbacks. They can't get any auditions. They find out that this person has conservative viewpoints or is maybe a Christian or has maybe not agreed with BLM or didn't do this. You know, they didn't fall into this sort of cultural narrative that's going on. And therefore, nope, you're out. You're gone. You're canceled. If we don't like you, nobody can like you. And we don't want to see you have any individual success. We don't want to just make the choice that, okay, if you're going to be in this movie and I don't agree with your politics, I'm just choosing not to go see that movie. Because that would be a boycott, right? That would be the left saying, hey, you know, Actor John Doe is in this movie and he said some wild stuff about Black Lives Matter that we just don't agree with. So we are choosing to not go and see that movie. Great. That, that's perfect. That sort of is the American way. You demonstrate either as an individual or as a small collective, we're going to choose not to do this because of X, Y, and Z. It's not how the left works. It's dirty. They play, they, they, they play dirty. So they just say, nope, we're going to get all the henchmen involved and this person's never going to get another audition in Hollywood. And, you know, they've got to start over, do a new career, find something else. Okay. Well, what ends up happening typically then is that those people in particular sort of get thrust into this new environment where they actually find a ton of support and they're maybe put on an independent film or they find other actors and actresses that have been also sort of like shunned and ostracized and they, you know, maybe come up with their own indie film label or, or whatever. So it's really not the end. It doesn't, it doesn't ultimately serve the purpose that they want because People are more resilient than we think, and they always find another way to create or make lemon, make lemonade out of lemons, right? Something else that we saw over the last couple of years as far as cancel culture is concerned is one that just absolutely blows my mind. It's, 
again, it's the mental gymnastics of some of these liberal thought processes that I just can't comprehend. I have tried and tried and tried to connect the dots on how it makes sense, and I can't. No matter how I put it out there, no matter how I rationalize it, I can't make sense of it. This talk of, I feel like it's twofold, right? Like, so I feel like we have this one branch that talks about systemic racism. Okay, well, I just hate to say it, but if we do, if we do have a system that is systemically racist, which by the way, is also a very new term, it's very catchy, it's very emotion provoking. We've only had it for the last couple of years. This is nothing that's been in existence you know, through the civil rights movement. No, 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 no. If in fact, our country does have systemic racism, it's from the left. It's from the democratic party. Learn your history, figure that out. Go look up Margaret Sanger, the founder of Planned Parenthood. She spoke at KKK rallies talking about how black and brown people are weeds. She's very well supported. Hillary Clinton calls her one of her heroes, Margaret Sanger. If we have those things, they start on the left and they end on the left. Now, I'm not saying that on the conservative side, you're not going to have people that are stereotyped and bigoted and, you know, all of those things. I think those things go across the board. But if you want to talk about a system, things that were put in place, they started on the left and they started on the Democratic Party side. And yet it's now this left side that is screaming about systemic racism. And they're also screaming about a lack of representation from our minority communities in our country. Okay. Well, I mean, let's honestly like break this down. Minority, right? A smaller amount. I get it. Like maybe they're like whatever percentage, right? So I don't know the exact percentages. So I'm just going to throw these out there. Let's say that we have a 20% African-American population in this country. Okay. Well, because of that, I sort of expect to see less Black people on TV or in movies just by the sheer numbers. It's a numbers game, right? Like, if if that population is only 20%, and then if you have only a percentage of those people make it to Hollywood and get an acting career. Like that's my expectation just based off of a sheer numbers game. It's sort of like how many kids are going to make it to play professional sports. That's a numbers game. But what we saw happen over the last couple of years is that they somehow were still screaming about a lack of representation, but then the representation that did exist They claimed that it was racist representation and then got rid of it. I can think of two examples off the top of my head. I can think of Uncle Ben's rice and I can think of Aunt Jemima syrup, two food items that are like synonymous. I I can picture Uncle Ben's face on that box of rice, pass it every time. I've eaten probably hundreds of boxes of Uncle Ben's rice in my lifetime. I don't think one way about it. 
I don't look at that box and I think, oh my gosh, like this is so offensive or this is so racist or no, I go, that's awesome. Is that really Uncle Ben? Is that what Uncle Ben looked like? Who is Uncle Ben? What's his story? Like, that, that, that's fantastic. Why would we not want his face on the box of rice? I think it's amazing. Aunt Jemima, same thing. What, what, why is that not okay? It's fantastic. It's representation. So we're screaming about that we don't have, but then where you have it, you don't like it, or you think that it's oppressive, or nobody, nobody cares. Nobody's feeling one way or another about Aunt Jemima on a bottle of syrup. Again, same thing. Beautiful woman. This woman that has this bright and cheery face, you know, sort of also like, like summoning you to this bottle of syrup. She was, I don't know. I mean, I think you could say that she was iconic. And again, I don't think anybody felt a way about her being on that syrup bottle. Again, similar to Uncle Ben's, I think you could say, oh, she has a story. What's her family life? Was Aunt Jemima a real person? Like all of those things, it's intriguing. It's a representation. And we got rid of them, which is so weird to me. So weird to me. We scream about representation. We have it in these forms or these examples. And then we obliterate them because we attach them to this sort of fake storyline. This fake storyline that somehow having Uncle Ben's picture on the rice and Aunt Jemima's face on the syrup bottle is racism. You know what we're left with? You know the food product that I think about that we're left with? The Quaker Oats dude. So we're left with an old white guy on the on the can of oats. If if that doesn't scream the exact thing that you're trying to fight, which is this white male patriarchy that's racist and that's caused all of these problems, you literally just handed it to them. You handed it to them by erasing two beautiful brown faces off of these products and not even touching the old crusty white dude. Well done. Well done. I don't think that that served the purpose that you were intending for it to serve, which is, I think, ultimately what happens with cancel culture. Canceling something, erasing it does not ultimately have the intended effect that maybe they think it's going to have. So I'm going to step away, take a short little break. I am Nurse Beth. You are listening to Nurses Out Loud on America Out Loud Talk Radio. It's time and this is world. 
Hello, I'm Ben Marble, MD, and I founded MyFreeDoctor.com as a donation-supported, faith-based nonprofit with a mission to save lives by delivering free doctor visits to patients in all 50 states of America. MyFreeDoctor.com treats a broad range of health concerns like COVID-19, long COVID, sinus infections, urinary tract infections, rashes, medication refills, and more. So please visit MyFreeDoctor.com where we're healing America one person at a time. Here on America Out Loud, we emphasize optimal health, and air is the most essential element for life. The average person inhales over 35 pounds of air every day. Yet we seldom think about how to rid the air of pathogens swiftly and safely when we need to. The Genesis Fogger Plus HOCL is the only way to quickly and naturally restore air to its optimal condition. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud for a free ebook on everything you need to know about HOCL and receive a 15% discount on the Genesis Fogger with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you'll be ready for what's next. These days, every time you turn on the news, it seems like there's a new threat to your health. Maintaining a strong immune system has never been more critical. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created Immune Super Boost to help you strengthen your immunity. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Immune Super Boost is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra absorption of science-backed nutrients proven to support immunity, like vitamin C, D3, zinc, elderberry, and echinacea. These physician-formulated gels come in a small gel pack. Tear off the top and shoot it down, or mix it in water. Boost your immunity. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. We are fighting the ultimate fight between good and evil. AmericaOutloud.com replaces groupthink with innovative think. Well, it was Walt Whitman, the poet, who said, Keep your face always toward the sunshine, and shadows will fall behind you. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. All right, so we ended the first half of the show talking about sort of the history of, you know, boycotts versus this new idea of cancel culture. And I ended just talking about how I don't think that cancel culture and the examples that I have seen over the last couple of years of who they cancel and why they cancel, why they just sort of wipe them from society or from areas where we have had their presence before, I don't think that it ultimately serves the purpose that think, that people think that it's going to serve. So with that being said, I think boycotting actually does. And here's why I don't think, here's why I don't think that they're the same. And I mentioned this at the top of the top of the show where I've seen some conservative folks on social media talking about how as conservatives, we can't complain about cancel culture if we're going to turn around and boycott, like saying that they are the same. And 
I don't think that they are. And the reason why I don't think that they are is because, again, it comes down to personal choice, right? And the example that I gave in the first half of the show is this liberal idea of we don't want it, so nobody should either want it or, you know, we can't have it, so nobody can have it or we think it's wrong, so therefore everyone should think it's wrong. But again, the quote-unquote wrongness I think is a manufactured narrative. And I think that those narratives are manufactured because I think it's easy. It's again, emotionally provoking and it sort of fans the flames of a bigger, larger agenda. Whereas you take boycotting. And again, I mentioned like it's an individual choice. If there is something that I don't agree with, if there is something being demonstrated that I'm not a fan of, or I don't feel like it's in my best interest to participate in, I'm going to opt out of that. If it's something where I think I need to educate other people about it and say, hey, by the way, did you know that this company supports this? We even, here, here's another example. We saw back in the 90s about a bunch of people boycotted Nike. They boycotted Nike because it came out about all of their child labor in China. And, you know, as a humanitarian viewpoint in crisis, a lot of people were like, ew, why would I buy Nike when I know that there's kids sewing the clothing, gluing the shoes together, and they're making, you know, pennies an hour potentially. That's not something that... I want to support. So I'm going to avoid purchasing Nike things. And then I am also going to tell people that I know, hey, by the way, I don't think it's a good idea that you buy Nike products. And here's why. This, this, and this. So again, it's ultimate choice. You're not screaming saying nobody should buy Nike ever. It's really this is where it is. This is where we're at. And are you going to make that choice? Your dollars matter. Where you spend your dollars matter. So in recent weeks, even just weeks, we've noticed a couple of very successful boycotts. The first I would like to mention is the Bud Light boycott. And the Bud Light boycott occurred because they chose to put a trans, I'm going to call him a man because he's a man. He is a male. He has male genitalia. Um, He doesn't even have breast implants in at this juncture. And he was put on the Bud Light cans. So we have this dude named Dylan Mulvaney, who is now like the the face of this insane trans movement that we're seeing. I mean, he's been sponsored by all of these companies and it's because he did this 365 day of girlhood where apparently he's starting his transition or whatever. I don't even know. It's so insulting and it's so offensive and it's just a a boy I'm not even going to call him a man because he's a boy. He demonstrates zero emotional intelligence. He has zero maturity. And he's literally parading around in lipstick and pigtails and a dress. And he thinks that that is what it is 
to be a girl or a woman? And why are you calling yourself a girl? Like, ew, gross, so gross. So Bud Light decides that this trans movement is so important and inclusivity and equity and blah, 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 all of these nonsense things that the left is literally shoving in our faces at a level to which it is, I can't even comprehend it. I'm still trying to wrap my head around this whole situation in general and why it's coming on so fast and so furious and at such an intense level. But as a result of Bud Light making this decision, you have people, and I'm not even going to say just conservatives because I think this was such a bold and stupid move on their part that I think it spanned both sides, which I love. I think, again, anything that we can unite on that is not in our best interests, obviously the better. We need way more unification happening than we do you know, division or these topics that are just working to divide us. Bud Light absolutely tanked. Their stock plummeted. We saw bars that were not selling any Bud Light or Budweiser products or Anheuser-Busch products. The social medias were full of, hey, by the way, do you know Anheuser-Busch also sells this beer? Do you know they also sell this? And those were staying on the shelves. We saw TikToks and Instagrams of, you know, beer distributors saying, um, bars are not ordering any more Budweiser products. I've got trucks full and nobody wants it. So again, that is a demonstration of making an individual choice, that individual choice being shared by the collective, and then the collective making a stance with their dollars. And when you are a big corporation like that, it matters. It matters to your shareholders. It matters in your stocks. It matters up in your C-suites. And it matters all the way down to, you know, your delivery drivers and the people that are working in the warehouses and in the distribution centers. I mean, it is a full trickle down that has a massive impact. And the message was clear. The message was clear that as a very large majority in our society, we don't care. We don't care about this sort of push for this movement. If that is what your life is, and if this is, you know, whether it's a choice or whether you think you were born this way or whether this is what you are doing, that is fine. That is totally fine. I'm not interested in who you sleep with. I'm not interested in what genitalia you have. I'm not interested. And you're not going to force me to be interested. Nor are you going to force me into thinking that men can be women and women can be men. 
I'm not participating in that high level of mental illness. It's just like you are not going to convince me that you know, I'm, I'm talking to a different person if somebody has a diagnosis of multiple personality disorder. Like that is, that is a mental illness. Schizophrenia is a mental illness. Thinking that you're swapping from boy to girl, girl to boy. That is a mental illness in my opinion. <clears throat> I can be respectful of the fact that I think you're struggling with something I can't really empathize. I don't know what that feels like. I can do my best as a human to understand a struggle to that magnitude. But I don't have to disregard, number one, God's perfect creation. (laughs) There are no mistakes. We are of perfect design, male and female. Put together, we procreate. Chromosomes, bone structure. All of those things that are God's perfect design, you are not going to tell me that those don't exist and that there was an error or that there's a mistake. I am I, I get to choose to not participate in that. And the world spoke. The world spoke when they saw Budweiser and Bud Light just absolutely cramming this stuff down our throats. It's really insulting. And again, here's here's the other thing that kind of comes like full circle with how I don't, how I can't figure out how the left can't see it, right? They're so manipulated into emotionally tied topics that they can't understand that out of their screaming for inclusivity and equity and representation. Your movement started on your side. Your movement removed two African Americans from very well known products Uncle Ben's, Aunt Jemima, household names. You removed two people from those products. You scream about the patriarchy. You scream about white supremacy. You scream about all of these things. And then you literally applaud Bud Light, another household name, putting a white male on the can. This is a level of mental gymnastics I'm not capable of reaching. Please, someone, make it make sense. Again, I did a show. A while back, talking about where are all the feminists at, we talk about the patriarchy, we talk about men and oppression, but it's okay when a boy's pretending to be a girl? That somehow is totally fine. Our womanhood can be defined and expressed by a boy in a dress with lipstick on, with a five o'clock shadow. You're comfortable with being represented in that manner. I don't recall them ever putting an actual woman on a Budweiser can. So the first time a quote unquote woman makes it on the Bud Light can, it's a dude in a dress and we're applauding this. 
I can't. It's so out of bounds to me. It's so out of bounds. It just, the lack of common sense that it makes is just, it's too wild. So Bud Light did its thing. I think they ended up placing on leave, like their marketing, like a couple of people from marketing. And then this video surfaced also, which let's just talk about this for a quick minute, because this is hysterical. You have this woman coming on talking about how, you know, think about Bud Light. Think about, like, even if it's stereotypical, like, I don't care. If you want to think about Bud Light as being, you know, not a very high quality beer or in its taste, you can do that. That's totally fine. If you want to think about, like, you know, your stereotypical, like, bros at a tailgater, like, shotgunning Bud Lights, totally fine. Totally fine. That's part of their brand. That's part of their image. It's part of what has made them a household name. It's part of what's gotten them into sporting arenas, stadiums, ballparks. It's what's gotten them into sports bars, college bars, whether it's inexpensive or whether you can drink, you know, 10 of them before you really feel blasted, like whatever the case may be, that's part of their brand. And you have this woman coming in who all of a sudden thinks that that brand needs to be rebranded, that we need to somehow reach a minority, that somehow the whatever, again, I don't know the statistics, but let's say that 5% of our population identifies as trans. You think that targeting a, a specific ad campaign, targeting 5% of the population outweighs the other, you know, either the 95% or of that 95%, maybe the 50% that drinks Bud Light on a daily or weekly basis? That boggles my mind. And she came out and she did this video, like literally talking about it, talking about how they've got to rethink things and we want to get away from this like frat boy mentality. Why? It's working for you. There's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that is in no way, shape, or form an offensive, you know, association. Like, I don't, I, don't, I don't know if you went into a frat house nowadays and you were like, oh, yeah, so the stereotype is, is that frat boys drink, like, Bud Light. Maybe now, now it is, probably, but before this Dylan Mulvaney campaign, nobody would have been upset by that. They're like, yeah, whatever. We drink Bud Light. That's cool. We're not going near it now. I can tell you that much. So just like such weird things, you're trying so hard and it's ultimately crashing. And I don't know when, I don't know when they're going to pick up. Like when's the learning going to come into play? Because we're all seeing it. We're all watching it. And you don't even really have to be paying that much attention in order to see it. Like if you're somebody that maybe looks at the stock market 
again, I don't watch the news, but maybe it's been on the news. Maybe they've reported it. Like financially, they're, they're really suffering and struggling over a move that was not, not that bright. Just not that bright, guys. Not so, not so hot. And then on the heels of Bud Light and what that did, we have Target. Good old Target. And just when you think it couldn't get any worse, Target looked at Bud Light and was like, literally and figuratively, hold my beer. And they took it one step further. They took it one step further. So again, with the trans movement, I don't know where it's coming from. I don't know what is happening. I'm trying to figure out the enormity and this like absolute just everywhere you look in your face constant all the time. I don't know where it's come from. I don't know what what it's. Well, actually, I do know what its purpose is. Maybe that's for another show, but it's hot and heavy, right? So Target for Pride Month, which again, I think is weird and wild and crazy. Because again, I don't, I don't care who you sleep with. I would love for you to actually understand that an intimate relationship with whomever that is, is like sacred and it's actually private. And walking down the street, I don't want to look at you and see that you're wearing a specific t-shirt that then tells me who you sleep with. I'm not interested in that. I, as a heterosexual woman, don't walk down the street wearing, you know, shirts that disclose who I have sex with or who my sexual preference is. That would be that would be weird. And in fact, people would probably be screaming about it. So the whole Pride Month, you know, comes around every year. And Target, Target took their Pride Month and they injected it with Satan and steroids. Like they just went for it. They were like, all right, we're taking pride and we are just going to jack this thing up so massive and it's going to be just everywhere. So very, you know, the front like display of like the clothing section in Target is their pride section. Everything is rainbows. Everything is this. But they they took it then and they applied it to the trans movement. So it's now not even just about homosexuality and being gay and like, you know, the, the quote unquote love is love movement, which is originally what pride was, right? Like coming out, you're gay. This is now like gay and trans. They have shirts in Target for children, mind you. It's for children that say like, Trans people will always exist. Okay. They always have. They always will. Like, 
why the need for the t-shirt and why the need for the children's stuff? This again is like, I think one of the biggest problems that a lot of people like myself have is that when we are talking about topics that are potentially trauma causing and they are trauma causing because children don't have the ability to, you know, their growth and development, they can't process this stuff. Sexual stuff is traumatic for them. Violence is traumatic for them. They're not, their little brains are not capable of understanding, let alone computing. Like, what does this really mean? Like in the big scheme of things, it causes confusion. So Target, literally Target, now we know why they're called Target. They've been targeting our kids, um, comes out with all of this stuff. And they then also, some of the clothing and some of the merchandise that they chose to have in their stores in the Pride section during Pride Month was from a designer who is literally a Satan worshiper literally a Satan worshiper. So when I said they took Pride Month and injected it with steroids and Satan, I wasn't joking. They went like to the moon with this. So what happens? The same people that saw the nonsense over at Bud Light were like, boop, I'm done with Target. My dollars aren't going there. Target lost $9 billion in one week. Okay. Thank you so much. That is an effective boycott. And the reason why, the reason why you choose to boycott that is because it is an absolute moral, ethical, spiritual abomination. We cannot function and live in a society in which those types of issues and topics are put on a pedestal. If that is your lifestyle, if again, you think you were born in the wrong body, I encourage you to pray about it. And I would encourage you to be born again. But I, 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 it, it should, it's, it's honestly, it's, it's, in addition to your skin color, it's the least important thing about you, who you sleep with, what your genitals are, is the least important thing about you. And I don't want to have to have conversations with my son about topics like this. If I'm not introducing the topic, I then should not be forced as a parent to have the conversation with him. One that is spiritually, it's, it's, it's horrible. It goes against like our, our creation. It goes against our creator. So for me, when I analyze, okay, cancel culture versus a boycott, what are we really trying to accomplish? Are they the same? And in my opinion, Absolutely not. Cancel culture is this, you know, this way of the left, again, sort of forcing their hand and and creating narratives surrounding the story where a boycott, if the boycott is, again, coming from the conservative side, 
it is a stance against something that we will absolutely not participate in for a moral, ethical, spiritual reason. And if I choose to not put my dollars into an organization and I tell somebody else, hey, I don't think you should put your dollars into this organization, it's a cascade effect. It's an avalanche. And you ultimately have success. And it sets the tone. It doesn't mean we are bigoted. It doesn't mean we are homophobic. It doesn't mean we are racist. What it means is that we do not need emphasis, again, I will repeat, on the least important things about you as a human being. And I'm not going to allow you to force onto me that those are the most important things. Because they're not. They're not. I don't care what color you are. And I don't care who you sleep with. And I don't care about your genitals. None of those things matter to me in the big scheme of things. So keep boycotting. Keep keep letting your voice be heard with your dollars. It works. It speaks volumes. It lets these companies know these agendas are not going to work. And I think it's a great example of there are more of us than the media ever wants you to know, which is a really beautiful thing. Our community is, I think, bigger and stronger than it has been. And I think people are feeling significantly more bolder in their convictions and they're feeling support. And they're feeling like they are really a part of something bigger and that they can make a difference. So that's all the time we have for today, friends. But remember, we are here on the air five days a week, Monday through Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern with a different nurse host daily. Please be sure to tune in and listen to myself and my amazing sister nurses. As we walk you through all of these hot topics, we will empower you with information and education. We will advocate and we will stand in the gap for you because we are nurses and this is what we do. I'm your host, Nurse Beth, and you can find me here every Tuesday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern with an encore at 11 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Be sure to make AmericaOutloud.com your daily stop for all the latest news and happenings. We must all do our part and share the stories, the articles, the podcasts, and videos so we can help secure America's future. Until next time, be safe, be well, and God bless. Join us weekdays with a different nurse host daily where no topic is off limits as we shine our lights and expose the darkness. It's time